This is Perspectives, the show where an examination over many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condice Presley. As the month of March and Women's History Month draws to a close, it is a pleasure today to share with you the story of one more outstanding female leader. She is Dr. Anne Wimbush Watts, retired vice provost at the legendary HBCU here in Atlanta, Morehouse College. Today, Dr. Watts is president of the consulting firm, Powerful Presentations. And Dr. Watts, I wanna say thank you for coming in and allowing us to share your story and showcase your many accomplishments on Perspectives. Thank you, it's my pleasure. This is an honor, please know that. Just share with us a little bit of your story and your desire to pursue a career in academia. Well, I really wanted to be a lawyer. When I got to college, I wanted to be a lawyer. And I took English courses because I also wanted to major in English because I wanted to teach. But I was taking the lawyer pre-law track. I was the only female, and that was difficult because it was all male, and they wanted me to drop down the average so they could get uh, the teacher graded on the curve. And every morning when my papers, when the papers were graded and my score was highest, he really gave the guys what for. I was also discouraged by that professor who said, you're not going to make it in law. It's hard enough for an African-American male. So you as a female, you're going to have a hard time. I had never heard of Barbara Jordan. Had I seen that grand lady, as I was later to see, her on television and she was walking in the room and all the, in the chambers and everybody stood. But I think I was, I am where I'm supposed to be. I gave up pre-law, but the courses that I took, philosophy, logic, uh, reasoning, rational thinking, those courses have helped me, so it's a good thing. Dr. Watt's education includes a bachelor's in English from Grambling State University, where she graduated valedictorian summa cum laude, her master's degree in English language and literature from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, master's degree in French language and literature at Atlanta University, your PhD in English language and literature at Georgia State, and further study at Harvard University. Wow. Thank you. So uh, what'd you do at Harvard? When I was appointed vice provost at Morehouse College, the provost called me in and said, do you realize that you have administrative ability? And I said, well, I never thought about it because that was not something I was interested in. And he said, you, you are a leader. You do an excellent job in the assign, assignments we've given you. So we want you to think about that. And he was really talking about being a college president. And I was just so flattered and honored. So he said, the president and I want you to go to Harvard and take the courses that were in a program that's established to develop people into strong leaders. And I had a fabulous time at Harvard learning something that that I had never experienced before. I want to go back to your undergraduate education, Dr. Watts. Did the guys in your classes give you any trouble? Or were they as supportive? Yes, because they felt that I needed to drop down the average so that their B now could be an A, and I wasn't making it difficult. What they said, well, not everybody. Some were very kind to me. But one or two said, 
you're not going to ever get a husband. No. And I said, well, Because you were a smart woman? Yes. <laughs> that was supposed to make me drop out of the minor and let them be top in what was going on. But even the professor would spend time telling them how insulting it is to them, their men. You're not supposed to have let a female beat you. And I'm thinking... That, we didn't use the term sexism at that time, but I'm saying he's insulting me. <laughs> but I, sh- I took it. I showed it up. I grew up in a home with three brothers. Okay, and so where are you in birth order? I am th- three, next to the youngest. Next to your youngest brother. So yes. you knew how to handle the young men. Well, my oldest brother used to say, because I was so petite, he said, it's not much to you but your mouth. And if you didn't have a mouth always popping off at us, you would not make it in this family. (laughs) And he was right. So it seems only logical then that you would end up spending your career as a petite but very strong and well-educated black woman at an all-male institution. I mean, Morehouse, how did that happen? Well, it's not something I planned, though I'd heard of Morehouse. And I knew it was a great institution. I think Ebony Magazine did a special on Morehouse, and I looked at it, and I said, oh, this is a wonderful place. Then we had uh, males in Grambling whose parents sent them to Morehouse, and so that was supposed to be very imminent, and I knew about that. But I didn't think that I would be at Morehouse, all-male institution. Who dreams of being at Morehouse? It doesn't work that way. Went to graduate school. Went to, went to graduate school right out of college because I knew that if I stopped, if I hesitated, I was going to be like some of my friends. I was going to get married, get the nice home, and then settle for staying in a small college town and never seeing the world. I didn't want that, and I didn't want to stop my education, so I went directly uh, to the University of Wisconsin, first time out of the South, first time away from home, scared to death, first time around predominantly white people, thousands of them. There were only 200 people of color, that means African, anybody of color, it didn't matter, uh, at the University of Wisconsin. When I finished that, I came to Atlanta that summer, and I said, I think I want to be an international uh, interpreter. French, I loved. So I took some courses in a program at Atlanta University. And the uh, director of the program said, Ann, you're taking all these courses. Why don't you just go for the master? You don't need any much, much more but a thesis and a couple of more courses. And I said, okay, why not? And uh, I met my husband, my late husband. We got engaged, and we both wanted to stay in Atlanta. We loved the city. And we wanted to be working. We didn't want to commute a marriage, in other words. And where's home for you originally? You grew up where? Grambling. Okay. Yes, that was my. That's why we all went. My, I and my brothers went to Grambling. Got it. Anyway, uh, I received a letter from Morris Brown College saying we have a vacancy. You have been recommended. We would like for you to come and be interviewed. I said, Well, this is a job that will hold me here. But I wasn't sure. I didn't know much about Morris Brown. I didn't. That Ebony magazine did not feature Morris Brown, except maybe mention it here and there. 
One day before I was to take the job, I received, Morris Brown sent a telegram. I was imminent at that time. A telegram? <laughs> I don't know what's comparable to that now, but that was big. Mm, probably an instant message or a text. But. Yes, yes. And so then uh, Morehouse, the chair of the department, wrote me and said, you've been highly recommended. We have a vacancy in our English department. And I said, yes. And who was president at Morehouse College at the time? Uh, he, Dr. Hugh Morris Gloucester. Uh, I came in with him. We were both new. Doctor, I did not work under Dr. Mays, but I knew Dr. Mays because my college president and Dr. Mays was, were friends. And Dr. Mays came my junior year and my senior year to speak. And that was an awesome experience. The Dr. Benjamin Elijah Mays. That was awesome. There are many listening to our conversation today, Dr. Watts, who may not be as familiar with the HBCU experience, the historically black colleges and universities, of which Grambling is one, Grambling State is one, Morehouse College Um, Morris Brown College, Spelman College. Uh, What can you tell our audience about HBCUs in your experience as a student, then as an educator, and lastly, speak to their value in education today? The first thing I think of is the great teachers that were at the schools that you mentioned. You had the best teachers in the world. I don't care what they're saying today about teachers and inferiority. I don't know if some of that may be true, but at that time, because these teachers had to go north to be educated, and they went to the best schools north. And then they were committed. That was the slogan, you have to be twice as good as your uh, a Caucasian brother or sister. To earn half as to much. To earn, that's right. And you will know more, but you have to make sure you prepare your students for that world out there, and they talked about that a lot. So an excellent education, thorough. The next thing is that you have a sense of self, a sense of self-respect, self-confidence. They taught you to speak well, They insisted on that. You had to walk a certain way, dress a certain way, engage a certain way. So hands-on. Then when I went to church on Sunday, my high school principal was was principal. He was the superintendent of Sunday school. My first grade teacher was a Bible, they called it Sunday school at that time, not Bible study. And so you had reinforcement between the community, the church, the school and everybody was reading from the same page, singing from the same score. And they grew us into confident young men and young ladies. Because in the real world, the struggle is real. Yes. And it was brutal, difficult, and scary. Is that something that you find is missing in our community today? Yes. I think there are so many rules of thou shalt nots, the things that you can't do, the things you can't talk about in schools where you're supposed to learn, even if it's not what somebody else might think is okay. I think we should be exposed to what is being thought and has been thought and said in the world. So there are so many things you can't do 
And I think it hurt us as a race, much more so than members of other races and ethnicities. How would you characterize your experience as a faculty member and then later in the administration at Morehouse College? Because as I met you in the lobby, I, I knew your nickname there is Mother Morehouse. That is how we refer to you. And, and, and tell us that story. All right, Mother Morehouse. I was walking across the campus one day. By that time, I had been moved out of the classroom into administration, so I was class dean. And there were a group of students who were coming out of the, one of the buildings, and they saw me, and they said, Dr. Watts, Dr. Watts. And they came running toward me, and I stopped and said, hey, guys, what's going on? They said, we just left this class, and it's about a civilization where there was this female, and she was strong, and she was dynamic, and she was kind. She was intelligent. They named all these wonderful characteristics. And I'm thinking, well, what does that have to do with me? And they said when the professor was talking and said she led her people, that's Dr. Watts, she educated them well so they were ready to go out and be good at everything they did. That's Dr. Watts. They continued to say it. And I said, wow. And she was called Mother Blank of that civilization. And they said, Dr. Watts, you are our mother, Morehouse, because you foster excellence. You foster good leadership. You be, help us grow into be men, self-confidence. And you make sure the pathway for us will enable us to do well in the external world. And so they said, and they stood in line, and each walked up to give me a hug and said, Mother Morehouse. And I smiled and I was on it and I said, this is not going to last. I know that. Somebody's going to stop it. Somebody's going to say, you can't have a Mother Morehouse at Morehouse. But it lasted. Mm. Now three going on four de decades. Upperclassmen would take a, a, a freshman and say, come on, young man, come here. I watched you sit down when this lady walked into the chapel. I want you to know who she is. She's Mother Morehouse. Well, the freshman is looking at me thinking, she had all these children, you know, hundreds of these guys. Anyone, they would go on, and it still happens today. I love when that. When you see her pull her car up, you ought to meet her in the car and ask her if she needs any help. And when you then you have to escort her in the building and make sure she has a good seat, go get her program and see if she needs any water. They still do that today. It is an honor so awesome and so humbling. I still tear up when I'm treated that way. There is a portrait of you that is hanging in your honor. I think they it went up when you retired in the International Hall of Honor at King Chapel. Yes. That must have been a phenomenal moment for you. Oh, you are right on it. Because for years, I would go, um, you know, in the halls of honor all around the nooks and other places in the hallways and anyways of the chapel. And these, that was a larger-than-life picture of Maynard Jackson, a Mohawk alumnus, Mahatma Gandhi, all of these great people, now they had a few females at Coretta Scott King singing there and one or two other females. And there 
I was, and I hadn't, didn't know about it because they had the canvas covered. This was baccalaureate at the day before commencement, and obviously I'm going to be on the stage. I'm going to be robed. And at a certain juncture of the program, they asked the chairman of the Board of Trustees, will you escort Dr. Watts over to the canvas? The president and the trustees, they walked on stage and they moved over to the canvas. And then the trumpets gave a fanfare, da 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 And they pulled, they had, I don't remember who were, the two persons who were given the honor of pulling, unveiling, and they pulled that canvas off, and there was this gasp. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. And I started crying because I, I never dreamed in my wildest dreams that I, Ann Wimbush Watts, would be so honored. But I have to keep going back to the fact of female because when I came to Morehouse, there were very few, there were no female administrators. Hmm. Most departments had no females. Only two females eventually became department chairs. So it was a male world. And now they're honoring a female. Wow. I just can't tell you. As a little girl, where did you find or develop the the drive and the inspiration to become the woman that you are who is shape the minds of so many Morehouse men? That's a great question, and I always use my maiden name, Ann Wimbush Watts. One day I was coming home from summer school. It was in the summer. It was very hot. I love school. I went all the, I, I graduated and finished my courses in three years because I love going to school. It wasn't remediation. I just love going to school. Our house was fenced in, and my daddy had this swing, old-fashioned swing, three-seater on the front porch, but it was screened in so you could look out and be comfortable. And you walked to the gate, you opened the gate. I mean, the, the Louisiana sun, boiling. But we always had to say good morning, good evening. You had to speak. My dad was sitting there, and I came in, and I walked in, and I said, good afternoon. But I didn't say it that way. I said, good afternoon. He said, come here. He said, you, I watched you, and you walked to that gate. You were frowning. You were dragging your feet. You acted like you didn't know who you were. And I don't want you ever again to walk to a gate and open a gate and walk as if you don't really care whether you get in it or not. He said, let me tell you something. I don't have a lot of money to pass on to you, but I'm giving you a name. It is filled with honor, trust, integrity, dignity. And see, the measure of that at that time was that you could go downtown and get a loan from the other people. And no questions were asked. My father was a minister, very effective and, and very renowned. And he said, when I walked the streets of Ruston, they said, hello, Reverend, not boy or those other names. He said, from now on, I don't want you to ever bear the name of Wimbush and not walk like you are one. That inspired me. I don't know. I should have been angry. said, Daddy, you don't know. It's hard out here. You in the cool, but you know you couldn't do that. I live by that today. 
What's in a name, said Shakespeare? A lot is in a name. And I have endeavored, I don't have daughters, but my two sons, I want them to be proud of their name, Watts, because I worked very hard to hand to them a name that has attracted a great deal, hopefully, about which they can be proud because it's a part of their lineage. As you reflect on your life, Dr. Watts, of, of what are you most proud? I am proud that I, as a female, could help so many young men reach their destiny and be the kind of man that God destined them to be. There are people who feel that what can a female do to help develop a male? A lot. Because males are not gender-bound, neither are females. We, our essences go beyond that. It's a part of that, but it goes beyond that. And so to have students, just hundreds and hundreds. Let me give you one example. At the homecoming this year in, uh, in the fall, uh, Michael flew in, and we were invited to the brunch at the president's home. And so we attended, and on our way out to go to the game, there was an elected official standing there, and then there was another gentleman that I didn't recognize. And they, Dr. Watts, Dr. Watts. And he said, you may not remember me. I am a medical doctor now. I am doing very well. I prayed to God I would see you today. And I'm thinking, all these thousands of people, you're going to see me? What are the odds for that? And then he burst into tears. He said, I am doing well today, but I would not be where I am today if it had not been for you. He said, you don't know what you did for me. And the elected official said, man, are you all right? He said, I'm okay, but he continued to cry. Wow. That kind of thing happens over and over and over again. And do you know, you, you know what that says about you, don't you? I mean, it just says that you are all that and then some. It says I'm an instrument of God's peace. I was not supposed to be an attorney. I was not supposed to be an international consultant. I was supposed to teach. I was supposed to mentor. I was supposed to grow and develop. We're almost out of time. Okay. As a consultant, you're working uh, with your own company, Powerful Presentations. A little bit about what that is, what you do, and how, how listeners might be able to contact you. Oratory was a very, very much part of my growing up life, of course, with my father, a minister. Now, there's a difference. Many people don't know this, but I hope I'm not insulting anybody. But oratory and the preaching style are two different things. I don't think you insulted anyone. All right, good. Our use, our voices are a musical instrument. And we can mesmerize, woo, change audiences by using the voice. And for us as a people, quite often, we have not used our voices to the maximum. We have been a bit sloven in terms of developing our language. And when we do, the power that we have to help people, to encourage people, to change people is awesome. 
So when I made it, so to speak, in my profession, I said I have to armor and empower my people because they are not getting in the medical schools during the interview. They are not getting the job because they're not using their voice. How, 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 why did you, Jay, uh, John, want to be a medical doctor? Well, I just thought I, that's something I want to do. That's not going to get you in. You could be the best healer in the world. So I wanted to share that, and I wanted to help people. And now after the past a gala, a candle in the dark gala, there were men of Mohawk said to me, I would give anything to be able to speak like that. And uh, that's what I'm supposed to do now, help people use what they have. They don't have to wear a certain outfit. They don't have to pay uh, for special shoes. They just got to learn how to use what they have. You have certainly found your voice and indeed used it quite well. Dr. Ann Wimbush Watts, Mother Morehouse, Thank you for joining us today. I am so honored. Thank you. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, condo 29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.